0: Greetings this morning. and Welcome to each one. It's good to see all of you here, especially Mark and Ann. It's a blessing to have you here. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the body here. Thank you, Lord, for each one, especially the children. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life and I just thank you, Lord, for this special day. Also, Lord, bless our visitors, all of them, that they could worship with us and be blessed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Also, it's good to see Marcus's family here and your company as well. And uh, just knowing what all you've went through in the last week or so, it's it's wonderful how God has intervened there. On the behalf of the prayer of the saints, <clears throat> and also your prayers as well, I'm sure. <clears throat> this morning, I'd like to read out of Psalm 127 for a few thoughts here. <clears throat> There's a, a handful of of these these chapters that were sung as they're called uh, songs of the pilgrimage or the songs of Zion that the children of Israel would chant and sing on their journey to Jerusalem three times a year when they would go up for the feast of the Passover, the feast of Pentecost and the feast of the Tabernacles. And as the the congregation was walking toward Zion or, or Jerusalem, they would sing these songs and uh, it's from one, chapter 120 through 143 or 134. And <clears throat> yeah, just it's just kind of interesting to, uh, to note that. And here they are traveling to Jerusalem, and just bunches of them probably traveling together, and they would break out in singing, and these were the songs that they sang on their way to Jerusalem for a feast. try to imagine a whole group of us walking 20 25 30 miles maybe together and we're going to we're going somewhere to worship we're going somewhere to hold a feast and to call upon our God in a special way let's say like we're walking to Iowa City or, or Cedar Rapids and we might have to camp along the way and all of us together, we're walking, and we're going along, just trotting along, and, and someone starts singing, except the Lord build the house. Can you imagine just the the exuberance? The, the It was a grand time. This is a time that they're getting together with all the church or all the congregation from out in all the, the little towns, and they were getting together in Jerusalem to worship God and to have a feast together. And. It wasn't a little thing. It was a big thing. It was an exciting time for them. It was a grand event. And I believe it was with great enthusiasm that they would start singing about their children and about, uh, yeah, it's just, I just try to imagine that in uh, almost... uh, would have liked to have been there you know and now we would just jump in our little car and zip off to Cedar Rapids and be there in 45 minutes or 50 minutes and and uh, eat the meal and do a little service and come back the same day they might have been there a week I don't know how long these feasts lasted but it took them a few days to get there maybe a day or so coming back and anyway it's just kind of an interesting side note there I'm going to read chapter 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain to rise up early and sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage and heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, and they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Verse 3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, just imagine... You know, you're, we're, we're singing this song together, and the world around us is saying, ah, kids are a bother. They cost too much money. They're unruly. They're not worth having around. Maybe one or two, but ah, can't handle more than that. That's how the world thinks. And we are marching to Zion, and we say this is a reward from God. This is a gift from God. Every one of these precious little arrows that God has given us is a gift. It's a reward. It's a a heritage from the Lord. And the world around us doesn't understand that. And if we're not careful, sometimes the thinking of the world can erode off on the church. And I'm not saying that you're not appreciating your children but I'd just like to strengthen that to encourage that too. we don't want to ever miss this opportunity and I've named this little, uh, this little meditation as arrows each of your children each of our children are as arrows as arrows think about that and gifts gifts from God <clears throat> As arrows. Verse 4 says, As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Back then, arrows were made by hand. You didn't just go to Walmart or Shields and buy a bunch of $6, $8 arrows and put them in your bow and they're made by a machine and everyone is perfectly the same. Back then, arrows were made by hand. They were handcrafted. They were carefully, carefully made to be straight. They were shaped in just certain ways. They they were balanced. um, The hunter was also a craftsman. These arrows were handcrafted. And they were designed to do the job. They were sharpened. They were made to fly straight. Much care and time went into each arrow. And this is the arrows that that David was talking about as your children are as arrows. Anyone that has ever made arrows knows. I don't know how many of you boys have ever made arrows, but I used to make my own arrows when I was a boy. I made a lot of arrows. And, And each arrow has a certain trait to it. And some are heavier, some are lighter, some fly faster, some fly farther, some fly straighter, some have a definite little curve to them and and you get to know your arrows and you choose them wisely when you're when you 're shooting the target you you know that okay, this is the arrow with the white feather, this is going to veer to the left just a little bit, and so you compensate for that, but my point is that. That as arrows, as our children, none, none, no two children are alike. But you know your children. You know what their, their makeup. You and you shape that, and you guide that, and you you fashion that, and you try to straighten out those curves, and you you try to balance that arrow so it will hit the mark one day. We know our children's strengths and weaknesses we know or should know. We should know how much they can carry, how much how much what their strengths are before we just dump a big burden on them. And many times when children become frustrated it's because the parents are frustrated. Do you ever notice that? If you're frustrated your children will be frustrated. You, you, you dump things on them in, in frustration. we got to go, got to do this. We can't get this done in time. And we make demands of our little children sometimes that are unrealistic. And we expect them to kind of carry that. And it makes our children frustrated. It bends that arrow in the wrong direction sometimes. <clears throat> do you ever notice when, you're, when people are frustrated they have a tendency to take it out on something weaker than themselves. Did you ever notice that? How a frustrated little boy can kick the dog for no reason, or the cat. Just, <clears throat> just got to take it out on something. And, and we have a tendency to take it out on the, the things that are weaker around us. And I must confess, I've taken my frustration out already on my children. Because they're weaker, they, you can just do it to them. You know, you're you in a hurry, you've got to get this done. You're frustrated, you can't meet the deadline. And Hurry up and get that. And sometimes we can damage those arrows in a moment of frustration. let us never forget our children are like arrows they can fly straight and they can hit the mark or they can also be so bent and broken that they'll never fly straight unless God intervenes and it's, it's I'm not saying that because I'm looking out across this little group here and I say, okay, over here's one that's frustrated and he's bending his arrows the wrong way and whatever. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that to, to inspire us all to be careful because of the mistakes that I made when I was your age. I don't want you to make those mistakes. I want you to to shape your arrows carefully. I want your arrows to hit the mark. I want your arrows to fly the straightest of all arrows. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, verse 4, says, ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Why would he say that if it's not a possibility For godly men to provoke their children to wrath. There's a possibility there within each one of us as fathers, as mothers, to take out our frustrations upon our children and provoke them in the wrong way. Jesus actually takes it a step farther in Matthew or Luke. He says it in Matthew and also in Luke and maybe in Mark. He says it were better. You know what's coming next. It were better that a millstone were hanged about your neck and you were cast into the depths of the sea than you to offend one of these little ones. How much chance would you have at survival? You had a millstone hanged about your neck and the millstones obviously were three, two, 300 pounders and you were cast into the depth of the sea But Jesus is saying it would be better if that happened to you than for you to offend a little one that believes in him. So it must be a serious issue how we shape our little arrows. It must be a tremendous, serious issue. If that is true, then I should have been in the bottom of the sea a couple times in my past. But thank God that there is grace. There's another chance. Arrows are an amazing thing. If you look at the anatomy of of an arrow, just an arrow itself, there's a point, there's a shaft, and there's the little feathers on the back, and then there's what they call the knock, I think it is, on the back where the string goes to shoot it. When made carefully, they will fly far and straight. But if there's one little part missing, it has a terrible disadvantage The arrow won't go straight. And one of those things is the little bitty feathers that are the veins that are on the back end of the arrow, way to the back end. You would think, what good do they do? Let's just rip one off or let one get broke off or knocked off or something. And that arrow will never go straight. And that always has intrigued me. I don't know as I even understand the dynamics of it all, of why that little feather, two little feathers on the back of an arrow can make that arrow fly straight. You take those feathers off, and it's like trying to shoot a stick. It will go straight for just a little bit, and it'll just go like that. But you put those little feathers on there, and they're balanced. It just does something to that arrow that is beautiful that I can't explain, but it works. <clears throat> but those little things on the tail there are so important. And it's important that these little feathers are balanced. No Indian would have put a big feather on one side and a little feather on the other side in thinking that he was able to shoot straight with that arrow. They chose those feathers carefully, and many times they would split the feather right down the middle and use each half on one half on one side, one half on the other side, so that they would match perfectly. And that's what makes the arrow fly straight. I would like to think of the feathers on the arrow as the parental influence on an arrow. If the parental influence is not balanced, Or if one side gets knocked off, that arrow is at at a terrible disadvantage. Just think about that. Our influence on our little arrows are like those feathers. They're not the point, but they're the guiding force that kind of comes along behind and helps that child to hit the mark somewhere. If you want to offend one of the little ones, if you want to hinder their flight, just say some little things like, I I know he or she don't like that, but when when he's gone, you can do this. It really doesn't matter. I I know dad don't like that, but it's okay when he's not here. Just say that a little bit. And that arrow starts curving in that direction. <clears throat> Do you ever notice how your, your, your pattern of discipline, your, your form of discipline is not as important how many times you spank the child, or how hard you spank it, or what you spank it with, or or if you do or do not spank it, or if you make them sit in a corner and and, and be still for five minutes, or whatever your, your discipline pattern is, that part pales in the fact that you are both agreed that this is the right way to go. You know what I'm saying? If dad says no, he should be spanked, and mom says no, just let him sit in the corner. And you argue about that right in front of the child, and you might as well just forget the whole thing because you are just so unbalanced. You're ripping, you're ripping each other's feathers off, and first thing you know, the, the arrow won't even have any feathers, and it'll just go. <clears throat> Take one of your boys' bow and arrows out sometime with a bow, with an arrow that don't have any feathers and try to shoot it just to get that in your mind It's so important <clears throat> and I'm not saying that I see that here I'm not saying that I see you all as husbands and- uh, husbands and uh, and wives. As mom and dad's in your child training approaches, I'm not saying that I see that. I'm just trying to enforce that in your mind to figure that out in the bedroom somewhere behind the scene of how we're going to do this and then do it united and make sure those feathers are balanced and that child will fly as straight as possible. If you change your discipline patterns or whatever it just might take you longer to get there, but if you're balanced and coming together eventually you will get there it might have been better had you used a little different discipline patterns or whatever and we can learn from each other on that but for every whatever you do make sure that the arrow flies straight even if it's slow even if it's fast it's got to go straight <clears throat> The spine or the backbone, the shaft of the arrow is also very important for the weight of the bow. The amount of force behind it. If you are shooting a real flimsy arrow with a high-powered bow, the thing is going to wobble every time you shoot it, and you're not going to be real accurate with it. Our children need backbone. They need backbone, they need some spine. You know, all play and no work makes weak, weak bones. No responsibility, no work, I mean no, just play, eat chips, do whatever you want every day, you will make the weakest backbone in your little arrow that you can ever make. You can also say all work and no play You never get time off to do your own thing. You just, you can't really enjoy life. You just got to knuckle down and you got to carry your weight. You got to carry this bucket of feed. You got to do this, got to do that. Makes bent backbones. Loaded down with care. At an early age, those backbones are curved and they'll never shoot straight either. There's got to be a balance in that. There's many more illustrations that can be used as far as the, the points and the sharpness of, of how that, that arrow will do its job when it hits the mark and the, the sharpening of that. And, you know, there's, you can let your own imagination help you think about that. But my point here this morning is is we have arrows. We have lots of little arrows among us. And it's such a gift from God. I look out here and I see all these little arrows and I just have to think, every one of you are being, being shaped. You're being sent. Will you hit the mark? Yes. We hope so. We hope so. <clears throat> but there is one overriding factor in this whole thing, and that is in Psalms 128. I'm going to read that too. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee if you walk in everyone that feareth the Lord and walketh in his ways. Homes that have that as an overshadowing, overshadowing protection of the fear of the Lord, makes a beautiful place to send out arrows that will fly.